Hi, this is Tammy. And this is Carol Ann. We're sisters, and what we're doing is a podcast regarding aging. The name of our podcast is Let's Talk Aging, and the name of the website is www.letstalkaging.com. We hope that you'll go on there and put your experiences and your thoughts and ideas after you hear this podcast, and we can form a community of caregivers because that's what we had our experience in. We spent about 35 years watching over and taking care of our dear parents, and we had a very excellent experience. However, there were challenges and all kinds of situations that we got in, and our kids thought it would be good for us to share it, and I think it's kind of good for us to talk about it, and that's what we do best. So let's talk aging. we're going to talk about today is a book that we've been reading which is just excellent it was recommended to us by an emergency room doctor and it is dr atul gawandi uh, being mortal is the name of the book medicine and what matters in the end and we've both been reading it and we found it to be fascinating it's got so much information in it and it's so um, vital to people that are facing that kind of experience. It's also vital to people personally that are facing, uh, we're all facing aging. That's true. (laughs) We're all all in different stages. I can feel it. it. We actually heard one time that I believe it was 26 from 26 on or 27. Right. You start aging and becoming. Your cells begin to die. Yes, it's kind of depressing. You're going on the uphill until 27, and then cells begin to die. That's what we've heard. So that's what we've heard. So I don't know. You better get at it, you know, and be (laughs) proactive with this aging process. Carolyn and I have been talking about how many people have talked to us in the last week or couple weeks about their parents or people that they're taking care of. Right? You had experiences. That's right. Yeah, recently a friend of ours, uh, his father, uh, just got to where he was falling. He was living by himself, not really interested in having somebody come live with him. And so he uh, made the decision after having kind of a scary event with the paramedics and all that he would go to an assisted living. And he's doing really well. He's... he's, uh, kind of getting fitting in and learning about exercise and things. So it was a positive experience for them. At first, he wasn't that interested in it. He really thought he could stay at home. But after these things happen, most people realize that this isn't working. Right. One of the things this book kind of pointed out is that, you know, in this day and age, people are living so much longer. And um, back in the day, remember the, in the book, it tells us that, you know, the older people were 
you know, in their 50s and 60s. And they were well thought of. Everybody wanted to be older because people came to the house. They lived with their family and they, you know, with their children. And people came to the house and asked their advice. <laughs> that always sounds good. And yeah. and so they that was the way it was about older people were really. But now as you get older, you're not as able for that kind of thing. It's just shocking to think those people were 60 years old. And, um, really, I mean, our shocking. dad, yeah, our our mom lived to be ninety. Our dad to ninety seven. He just passed away this year, and I'm seventy one. So it's <laughs> you're like, living the life. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm uh, old, you know, getting old, and and he, I was taking care of him, and it was that's what's happening. Hard yeah. for him to even think about it. But then we also don't understand what they're facing at, you know, they're they're not able to make decisions for themselves at some points, but families can help them in many ways. And and it, it kind of talks about how uh, we, and I thought I saw myself so much in this, Carol Ann, uh, when in the <laughs> book it talks about safety not being as important as their independence. and. Right. I just remember I was a safety freak. <laughs> of course, we had gone through nine, ten falls of our mother falling. Oh, so at least. we were a little paranoid. Yeah. But my dad, I would, um, my son tells about how many times I used to lecture him about the walker. <laughs> so I know I, he I know. was actually, yeah. he was actually very good he about was. the walker because he, he had was. seen mom have the, all those falls and, and what she went through and he didn't want to have that happen to him so he was much better about using it but we were worried about safety and it's true as you become rather obsessed about that that then um you want to take away more of their independence yeah and, and, and that is natural hard. yeah it's kind of natural and it's, it's very difficult yeah it's a fine line really is i remember i was very critical of my folks about my grandparents my grandmother. Oh, yeah. We thought we had yeah. all the answers when we were the <laughs> grandchildren. It's a little different story on this end when you're actually the children. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's very different. It's a different, you just have a different, what would you say, kind of your your interaction with your parents is very different than your interaction with your grandparents. Don't you remember, though, after mom died that somebody told dad that he, he'd lost a wife, but he gained two mothers? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and he very much agreed with that. He did. I think I think actually that's what he told somebody. I, he probably did. Oh my goodness, poor guy. When I think yes. back on all the things I instructed him in, and he would take it so graciously. Every once in a while, he'd let me have it. But... Yeah, every now that he'd had enough, yeah. that was it. Get oh, out of here. But. In this book, it talks a lot about the independence is so important and these assisted livings and, and what they can do, um, that they had some special ones. You were going to tell a little bit about that, Carolyn. Oh, yeah. He, they told about how assisted living actually started to give people more independence for them to be able to live in a place where there were provision for meals and things, but they had more independence. And, and there, that is the case. Uh, in, in in assisted living, they have their own place. Mm -hmm. They have a private 
their room is private. They go in there and shut the door and they're in their own little space. But when it started, people had more independence to have people over and mm-hmm. my, they still they still can. But it just was a different outlook. And now it's because of safety, as we've just discussed, and, <laughs> and HIPAA. Be- and HIPAA and all these things, it has become more regulated, a lot, lot more. But anyway, it, what they told in this one, in this book, in one place, a man decided he had this assisted living, but he said, I want people to feel more like a normal life. And so he decided he was going to bring in a hundred birds, two cats and two dogs. One floor would have the dogs and one floor would have the cats. Well, the staff was a little alarmed. The, the staff was the staff was not happy. They they're like, we're not paid to change bird cages. <laughs> this is not in our contract. So it, they had to kind of get them on board, and they went to some hospital that was closing up and got med, medicine carts, and they filled them full of paper and sand or all the things that they needed uh, food for the birds and everybody had a bird I I believe I if I remember right everybody had a bird and uh, they had a cage and so those had to be cleaned so the nurses would go along and one would have to that would be their job that day and what happened was residents started joining them taking went along and take and helping and pretty soon they were doing the cleaning the cages and very involved in it and there was even this one man that told about he really didn't care that much about birds but everybody was doing it you know and he got in he he just joined in and and he and they said that one of the reasons the man said was in the assisted living they're very closed in Mm-hmm. And so this gate in the especially winter time, it was back east where it was colder. And this gave them the sound of birds, more of a home, a, home feeling. Yeah, a feeling of outdoors even. Yeah. And they felt like that people really responded. And it was amazing. They measured it different ways, the effect. And it really it really made a difference to people. It was sort of like they had a reason for getting up in the morning. They had to take care of these birds and turned out to be a really positive thing for the uh, nursing. Uh, I think it was assisted living. I think it was assisted living, yeah. Yeah. And it helped It helped them to create a different type of environment and changed the perspective. And they had, these people had, uh, the residents had something to take care of. And this one man said he didn't, yeah, like Caroline said, he didn't really care about it, but he did it anyway because it was part of the group. And I was telling her, I, I remember dad when they had, what was that? Uh, oh, you know, everybody's into counting your steps. How many steps? Yeah, they had pedometers. Right. They all got pedometers. So they put them on their shoes. And I remember dad was kind of annoyed with this thing on his shoes. But they he was he was signed up because they signed him up for everything. He was very um, capable. And um, 
they didn't have a lot of that there, so they were really happy, and they made sure he did just about everything. So he got a pedometer, and I remember then after a couple of days, he was telling me every time I talked to him how many steps he'd taken, and he was amazed at himself, and I was pretty amazed myself. <laughs> he did very it well. Was... He really bought into that whole deal. <laughs> it was right, like, and, into it. And, I, and I think that's the thing about assisted living mm-hmm. is if they have really good people that are uh, where dad was, they had really good um, directors of activities and those people got everyone involved. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Some places maybe not don't have as active a group and it doesn't mean that all the people are active and can do everything. No, tell it's about just your that they stitch, get them involved. Stitch and chat. Tell about stitch and chat, which oh, Greg, yeah. our, my nephew calls chat and stitch. But anyway, <laughs> it, it Car- really was there. Carolyn Car- volunteered. It was after my mom passed away. And so I felt like it was dad wanted me to do it. He, he had told somebody uh, the person who used to do it left. They asked me if I would do it. And I thought, well, it's an opportunity for me to be there with dad and he can come down and sit and watch and whatever. So I did it every Thursday. I'd go at 2 o'clock on Thursdays, and the little ladies would be there waiting for me with their yarn. And I, first, I thought I was just going to teach him to knit these little dishcloths. Very simple. You know, this would be easy. Well, I got there, and then I realized that a lot of these people had strokes and, you know, a little bit dementia, <laughs> and they... They couldn't do that. They couldn't knit. Now, some of them could, but a lot of them could. So you wanted to involve everybody. So I got these little looms that made flowers with yarn. And we could do that because they could do so much and I could fix it and make it look like a flower. We could do it and then they could um, take it home with them. But when I came to visit, then every little lady had flowers in her hair. (laughs) I was like, oh, I think today was Stitch and Chat. Everybody had flowers in their hair. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, Yeah. and some of them would have them on their sweater. We'd use a safety pin and put them on. And they were so proud that they'd made it. You know, it was great. And some of them just couldn't. I mean, it wasn't possible for them. So I would make them one. So they were a part of the group. And while all this was going on, People were just talking, you know, uh, it started at first it started. I mean, sometime I would go and there would be two ladies, but then by the end of it, more people came and other times it'd be a lot and it'd be. It was like history lesson for you. Oh, it was. They, I mean, these men, they would tell about, you know, how they were in the war, how they told about when they first got married way back when and how high school was then I loved it it was yeah so interesting and they enjoyed hearing each other's stories too so it was positive for me Mm -hmm. which I encourage anybody who has time that could do that kind Mm -hmm. of thing very helpful to to do it 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 plus you're there with your your parent or your whoever you're you've got in there aunt uncle mom dad you're with them and you, you can see what's going on it's a, it's a good way for you to know uh what the temperature is in the yeah. in the uh, how the how staff is how everything is it just is a good in, informational um 
uh, event for everyone. It and, is. and I think it, it you know, I, it's just like um, when, when your parents are in there, I tell you what, if you want to feel important, <laughs> I mean, when we walk in, everybody would ask us, well, unfortunately, they would ask us if we were twins. That wasn't very good because there's a 13-year <laughs> difference between us. So that wasn't my top quality moment. But um, they one would... lady, one <laughs> lady said, "I can tell the difference between you two because <laughs> when oh. your sister comes, she's got sandals and everything, and when you come, you've got tights and boots on." <laughs> because I would come from Utah, crazy from the snow. But they never, they never knew which one we were. But anyway, never. Dad was thrilled to see us, and the people at the table where he was eating would be thrilled to see us. And I mean, if you want to feel wanted, those are the places to go. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, the people, a lot of people there have no one yeah. to to visit. Maybe their family isn't in Around. the area, yeah. and so they don't they don't get to have people come, and they love to have. Well, we got very close to some of those people. Mm -hmm, we did. Very close. And it's just uh, when the, when something happened to people, when they passed away, it was hard. Yeah. I mean, we missed them. Yeah. It was um, the, the whole uh, experience of uh, assisted living is something that um, is one part of the caregiving process. And then... Um, that cannot be done anymore and you need more care and that's kind of what this book was about is is all the levels and and what what you need to do that it would be what your uh, what the person who's going through it actually wants and that's by making a conversation early in life and that's uh, Carolette and I feel that that's kind of the bottom line is to have those hard conversations they're not easy but to have them early in life so you know what people truly want. And, you know, it may change over the years. Right, yeah. right. Things, it isn't always going to be the same, but you get a feel for what people, I mean, we knew because of our parents what had happened with their parents. Mm -hmm. Right. And that certain things they didn't want that to happen for them. And so they were very clear on that. Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody had the other day. It up. Yeah. I was talking the other day to somebody who had parents that he said they were very clear about what they want. It's very definite because of their experience. And um, he said, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe when I sat down and talked to my parents that this is, they were so clear about what they wanted and they were in their seventies. So I think that um, having the conversation early, because we did that, mom and dad moved up here, got to be with all of our kids. Um, right. Was fantastic right. experience. It was a good experience for us all. And yes, for it was. Them, they got to, they got to be in on things that yeah they wouldn't of, have known yeah. about or even participated in, and it, they got to know our children's friends and they became their friends and it was it was good experience. And yeah, I have to say it was kind of a sacrifice on their part because we live up in the Orange County area, and they lived in beautiful San Diego and had lived there for forty years or so. And the same yeah. home, and so to to move up here, that was quite a thing. They left all their friends and uh, some family, and um, it it. But you know, they needed to change, and they knew they needed to downsize. And Dad didn't have as much to take care of, and 
boy, they had some great years. They really did. Yeah, it did. It really, uh, it really made a difference. Well, we are moving on now to a news article. <laughs> we received a text from Greg, our our uh, producer, producer uh, about these two elderly men. They were in, well, they were close to Hom, uh, about 50 miles from Hamburg. There's a town called Wacken. Wacken. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. But anyway, in this town, there is a heavy metal concert, <laughs> and it goes on for four days. And these two men left their nursing home unbeknownst to the people. I mean, they realized it quite soon after they were gone. But they they walked, must have taken a taxi or a bus, and they ended up at this heavy metal concert. <laughs> and the police saw them. I don't know if a bulletin was out looking for them, but they saw them. And they said they were sort of disoriented and... And um, I imagine. Yeah, they're, you know, probably at least probably can't hear. So this sounded wasn't that loud to them. But they uh, they found them and they they took them. They didn't want to go back. They did. They were escaping to it. You know, they were enjoying (laughs) it. But, you know, they needed to go back. So they uh, put them in a taxi and they were so reluctant to leave that the police followed the taxi (laughs) To make sure they got back there without getting out of the taxi somewhere halfway between, you know. And the the concert, the one of the uh, people who ran the concert heard about this. And he said, you're never too old to rock. <laughs> well, I think that's quite true, probably. So, hey, yeah, there you go. You don't know yeah, whether yeah. they... We're trying to get to this place. It never really tells that family. Those families, were, those families yeah. would have really wondered. Yeah, what they happened dra- to dra- their parents? Oh my goodness! Drastic. Yeah, yeah. Probably anyway, a few people so, can identify with it. <laughs> yes, probably, probably. A lot of things happen. So I think for our next podcast, maybe we're going to talk about. Um, well, there'll probably be some unexpected things we'll talk about and maybe have an interview with someone. But uh, we're also uh, going to talk about visiting um, someone that's in either a nursing home or assisted living or board and care and um, how you go about doing that. What's what's um, what's helpful to the person? And from our point of view, we've had quite a bit of visiting and uh, <laughs> we've done that <laughs> we've yes, done a lot of have. visiting and a lot of people very dear to our hearts um, went and visited our our folks when I was working Carolyn you know we couldn't be there all the time and they would go visit them and um, it meant so much and then they had something to tell us and talk to us about so we'll talk about that a little bit right on our next podcast And we are going to leave you today with some humor. (laughs) Hopefully. There was a a reporter who visited a 104-year-old lady. And the reporter asked her, what is the best thing about being 104? And the lady replied, no peer pressure. (laughs) 
so is there, great. So there you have it. There you, know? you do. If, if you, you live long enough, you don't have to worry about that <laughs> stuff. You can be the creator of anything that anything can go for you. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's great. So, so um, thank you so much for listening. And let's talk aging. Let's talk aging. Thank you.